Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Chad Cunningham. Chad is the owner and head black belt instructor at Pinnacle Jiu-Jitsu in Mount Washington, Kentucky. Really appreciate Chad coming on the show today. If you want to support the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you give me some health insurance referrals. Specifically, if you own a business or you know someone who owns a business or is in charge of the health insurance for a small business, I can help you to find the best coverage uh, for yourself and your employees. I've got a buddy who owns a small business. Him and his wife, his wife helps him with some of the paperwork. We were able to get him onto a two-person group plan offered through Anthem, great plan, and save him a bunch of money, great coverage, real good network of, of doctors that you can see, things like that. Um, so there are good options out there for you, especially if you own a business in any way whatsoever. Another great referral for me would be people who are turning 65 anywhere in Kentucky or really across the country. Uh, they need to make choices for Medicare. And I'm an independent broker for that. So Send me some referrals if you enjoy The Kelly Patrick Show. Chad is a, a longtime friend of mine. Really appreciate him coming on the show today. The details for the sponsors of the show are as follows. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by returning guest. We have uh, Chad Cunningham. Chad, thanks so much for, for coming back on the show. Well, thank you, brother. So often when I get to meet, this is just a fun hobby for me, really. But I get to talk to people like jujitsu or boxing and stuff. And so often we start talking before recording or even after. Sometimes I'll record an episode, stand there in the parking lot with someone and talk for a while. But prior to us recording today, we were talking a little bit about uh, a topic I don't think we've covered before. You did grow up boxing in Louisville. I did at St. George Gym. What, what age did you start boxing? I was in the fourth grade, so seven. Wow. And your father... Um, was a referee for boxing. 
Yes, for a long time. And was it he one point the boxing commissioner for the state of Kentucky? Yes, he was. He he refereed for a long time, and then uh, he became the athletic commissioner for boxing and wrestling. And he got to meet. He was actually went out to Vegas and met with uh, Dana White and uh, Big John and a couple others about MMA coming to uh, Kentucky. I'd I'd be interested to know around what year that. Uh, that would have probably been around two thousand and. I'm totally guessing. I'd have to go back and look, but 2000, I'm just guessing nine or 10. Okay. Okay. I think that may be right around when the commission in Kentucky started, maybe eight, nine, something like that. Maybe, maybe before then. You're right. For boxing, it's been around, obviously, for, I I don't know, actually. You tell me, you, you, you may be a historian for this type of stuff. How long has the boxing commission in Kentucky existed? As far as I can remember. And what the funny thing is, is what a lot of people don't know is like wrestling, WWE, the state athletic commissioner, when w, when wrestling would come in, uh, the boxing commissioner and exactly. wrestling commissioner would have to be there. and Always? Always. That's or always, have a representative. That's Okay, that's always been the intersection, because I know that it is, even with MMA, boxing, Todd Neal, you know, uh, uh, boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling are kind of under the same umbrella, at least for the state of Kentucky. They sure are. It's an interesting topic. You talk about politics and how should it be done. And, and um, um, I guess a criticism of the state of Kentucky's boxing history would be that at one point they did have golden gloves. They did. The biggest tournament, it's funny you brought that up, the biggest tournament in America at one time was the Golden Gloves tournament that was here in Louisville, Kentucky. It was a week-long tournament. Week-long. And then it was held at Trinity High School. And then it ended up being three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then they made it Saturday or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Aaron Pryor from Cincinnati, professional, he boxed in the Kentucky Golden Gloves. And you have a lot of big names, yes. Very cool. Came through. Um, do, you, do you know why the Golden Gloves discontinued in, in the state of Kentucky? I do not. Okay. Uh, I don't know. You if didn't was, expect to be put on the spot for these types of questions today, did you? No, and I'm not a boxing guru. I've been around it since I was little and, and whatnot. And if you ever came to the house, we have a, they were all given to from my dad, but we have, it looks like you've walked back in history. We have gloves signed by Muhammad Ali and wow. every big name, Tyson. And it's funny, just a little fact, most people don't know, Muhammad Ali quit signing both gloves because what people would do is they would get him to sign two gloves and they would sell one. And then they would keep one. So he started turning around and just signing one glove. Well, we got two gloves signed by Ali. Wow. So pretty cool. And prior to us recording, you were mentioning, I think at one point your your dad went to, was it St. Louis? Yes. And they, I think he had actually refed a, a Mike Tyson uh, box amateur boxing match. He was trying to make the Olympic um, program for the United States. He didn't make it, but your dad did have an experience with Mike Tyson. He did. He got the referee one of his. I was there, but at that time I didn't. Again, I was a kid, so I didn't know the magnitude of who Mike Tyson was going to be or anything. And uh, But they had three rings set up, and uh, Mike Tyson, along with Terrell Briggs or Biggs, and there was a bunch of big-name people that were there. And uh, in the heavyweight division, Mike Tyson uh, was there. My dad got the referee one of his bouts. Very cool. And we were talking about how he did not make the Olympic team. And, and I was watching a special just, I think, yesterday or this morning about Tyson Fury. I go on binges where I watch, try to watch YouTube videos about certain boxers. And Tyson Fury didn't make the uh, uh, England Olympic team either. 
Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like, what the heck? David Hay, who's a name that I guess if you follow boxing, you know, he's a pro. He at least had a relatively good pro career, but he got the spot ahead of Tyson Fury, which is kind of wild. He didn't even make the Olympic team. Do you remember or know that uh, when Tyson was beat, I don't think he was stopped. I'm totally guessing here, but I think he was beat on a decision or points. I would be, it would be interesting to know because as I was sharing with you, they had came up to my dad and were telling, hey, watch, because he slaps when he hooks. And he, and that's illegal in boxing. And uh, so, so what you're saying, Chad, and we're, we have audio only, is if you do a hook and you connect with the, the knuckles, that's a punch. Correct. If you have it open and you do a slap type motion, you're yes. really maybe punching with an unpadded part of your really your wrist, kind of like a palm slap type thing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, and I'm Something not going to try. Like that, yeah, I guess. I'm not a guru or anything. I just remember the story being told is they kept telling Dad to uh, watch him for slapping before okay. the bout, and then I don't remember who the person was uh, that he went against, and uh, he won that match, and it was either a hook to the body and to the head, like his his patent move, but uh, he hooked and knocked the, the kid down. And I say kid because it was the Olympic trials then in 84 and he was young. But uh, a person from the Olympic committee had, had jumped up and even yelled slap. You know, he slapped him, he slapped him, and he didn't. He Tyson, as we all know, doesn't slap with his hook. But it's just interesting, fun fact. Very cool. So you uh, was, was boxing your first combat sport you ever participated in in the fourth grade? Yes, it was just because I played all the other sports like all the kids growing up, baseball, basketball, football, and uh, I wanted to get a little more hand-and-eye coordination and get in, in better shape. And um, and my dad's best friend at the time was James Doolin. And um, James had a gym, and then there was a gentleman named Troy Eskridge. Troy Eskridge had a gym in Sylvania Gym at the Sylvania Gymnasium. That's basketball why I gym. first – that's what – Sylvania Gym is where I first started in 2017 – where I first started training boxing. Oh, interesting. Obviously a different time, but Lance got me into that gym in 2017. And they were probably actually inside the basketball gym. That's where I was. When I started, it was in that same facility back there, but um, there was a little, almost like a boiler room, a real small room, and it had a ring and, yep. you know, yep. work around the side. Been in there, yep. Yep, and that's where uh, Troy Eskridge was actually my very first boxing coach. And if you remember... Brent Eskridge from Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky. He was boxing there with me for a few months. Is he related to Troy? I think so. Obviously, last name. I do think that's been so many years you're not talking. Not sure. Not sure. Yeah, that's not okay. sure the relationship. Troy still promotes shows. That's awesome. Yeah. Troy was a really good boxer from what I was told. See, I, I, I I believe it. I, you know, I, I um, find it all fascinating, the, the pugilism or... The fight game is a fascinating world. It's what brought me into the wanting to be a sports reporter originally. Really? For some reason, when I was little, like Howard Cosell or, you know, um, Max Kellerman, anyone who's comment, they were a, a sports reporter who covered boxing to me. That just seemed cool. Howard Cosell, what name? That was way, way before my time. But like that type, I remember hearing other people talk about it and then kind of doing some research, reading a little bit about, you know, the history of, of uh, boxing reporters covering the sport and just the history of boxing. It's a really cool sport. It's funny because if you talk about those, Howard Cosell, to my, we'll say lack of knowledge with, with the media and the coverage, but he was the only one that I seen that could ask those questions mm. and really push the buttons. He did do that, even with Ali. Ali, yes. Yeah. They got into it a little bit. Yep. But uh, it's funny. He asked the questions that people wanted to, to know. And uh, both of my grandfathers, on my mother's side, my mother's father, my father's father, they were both big boxing fans. So I kind of always 
you know, associated them with being boxing fans. My dad's a boxing fan. So it just kind of seems like an American. I guess baseball is the American pastime. But I don't know. I, I think boxing's a pretty strong sport. It's a strong sport, but anything where people are getting, for lack of a better term, punched in the face, sure. that's not very favorable. So it's hard to promote and get, you know, not a lot of kids want to join in, and that's where that's how things grow. People start out as kids, and then they just keep doing it. Sure. And that's where things are. Mike Tyson fought in Louisville. He fought at the he Louisville did. Gardens. He fought Danny Williams. Yep, okay. And uh, my dad was the athletic commissioner who signed and allowed Mike Tyson to uh, get a license. I've heard Doolin talk about how he was involved in that too, which I assume he's your dad's buddy. Yes. they. Um, I think, I don't want to say something that's not accurate, but I believe that he, he worked out at a couple places, but when he came to get serious workout, he went down to Doolin's. That's my understanding also. Which is pretty cool. That's what I was told. And then uh, it was interesting because we went back to 1984, my dad in his fight. And mm. when he came in, Tyson remembered my dad. Isn't that funny? And then they just started talking about history. And Tyson always has this persona. And I'm sure everywhere he goes, people see him as you know a legend. And sometimes it can be in a bad way where they want to be confrontational or poke his buttons. So he always has to have that defensive posture. But when he came here and signed for the fight, and uh, it was knockout promotions, Chris Webb brought him in. And when they brought him in, it was like a little kid in a candy store when they started talking about the Olympic trials and whatnot and just old time when he was really into boxing more than just about making money. To where Mike Tyson is kind of a boxing nerd. Yes. Okay. That, yeah, yes, yeah, historian. Yeah, yeah. He's a really, really good high-level boxing historian. I think Customato would have him watch like old reels of like Sugar Ray Robinson and other, a ton of others. It's just the easy name, but you know, a bunch of them. I For think sure. he knows all about the old boxers. So Chad, you, you ended up training jujitsu. What, so fourth grade, you started training boxing. What was your progression then through the world of combat sports? How did you become a, what you are now a black belt jujitsu gym owner? Well, I did, I guess like everybody, I wanted I liked grappling and I liked some of the things and there was a Japanese jujitsu. So in high school, I started right in my junior year, started doing that. And I did that for a few years and got my shoulder on first degree black belt. And leading up to my, uh, I got into law enforcement and in the Japanese jujitsu, they do Nawaza ground, uh, ground fighting, ground techniques. And I went out to Alan Maganello school and that was in J town in Taylorville. And that was in 2001 right at the end, almost 2002, and um, we were drilling from mount position, and I thought in my mind, a little bit of arrogance, and I thought, oh, I know how to get out of here. I'll get out of this. I'm a black belt in Japanese jiu-jitsu, and a blue belt, Opie, from Jeffersonville jiu-jitsu, and uh, Brett Olofen, super good guy, super talented. I believe he's a fourth-degree black belt now under Bruce Shepard, and uh, Opie was mounted on me, and my ego ran into a brick wall, and I couldn't get out. And that's where I met the fork in the road, either tuck my tail between my legs and not go to the left and learn it or quit. And so the rest is history. I said, I want to learn this. That's kind of the hook moment. Yes. Yes. The psychology that goes into that moment and divides so many people um, is interesting. It is. And that, and I think it's, a, ego is good. To a certain extent, ego fuels us and it makes us want to get better and do better. Ego can also hinder us and handicap us. And I think that's where we try to, as instructors, and I'm sure every jujitsu owner and, and coach does this, try to get people to leave the ego at the door. But it's still okay to 
have a little bit of fuel in the tank, a little bit of ego to make us want to do our best and not afraid to to let go and, and succeed. The ego is definitely an interesting it is. Um, topic. I, I've heard, you know, my wife's talking to me about ego often. And it's, it's you know, at first glance associated with being like a negative, mostly. And it can handicap us. Sure. If I have an ego, well, and you and I are rolling. And we look at it and you're a purple belt and I'm a second degree uh, black belt. And now it's like, I can't let Dugan, I can't let you do this move. You know, ego's going to make me resort to just certain moves. It's sure. going to be my A game, and it's going to be my very best because it's about not losing and proving a point. And that's not how we grow. And that's not that's putting jujitsu in a box. Jiu-Jitsu really brings those types of issues to the forefront. It's like, okay, you're either going to manage your ego in a healthy way and be able to progress, or you know maybe you have days where the, your ego gets the better of you. So I mean, you've got to you've got to face you get it, the ego is definitely a part of everyone's jujitsu journey. Everyone's. I like how you just put it and manage it in a healthy way. If you do that, then the ego will always be positive for you. That's perfectly put. I, I was, this is a random topic, but I was showering after my yoga class at my hot yoga studio a couple years ago. Okay. Taking a little longer than I should have. You're supposed to be quick. Okay. Guy that's doing the class, like, hey man, you hurry up. Come on, hurry up. Come on. He's just standing there outside of my shower. I was like, this this dickhead, you know? I'm like, <laughs> at first I was, and then I thought about it, and more I digested it, and I was like, well, I should have been hurrying up. So in that case, I in hindsight now, I'm like, that got, that was warranted. Hopefully in that case, I my ego instinctually was kind of like, this guy can kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah. But in hindsight, I was taking too long. So it's an interesting thing to try to, constantly have to grapple with the whole concept of ego well and just to, to piggyback that just like in policing oh wow. everybody wants the police officer to man look at that guy driving like an idiot we almost have road rage but the moment we do it and the police officer pulls over mm. don't you have something better to do you know yeah i slow rolled that stop sign and realistically we didn't even come close to stopping okay. but now we're frustrated because now we're getting stopped yeah, how dare you i can't you? imagine the um explanations how many years of being a police officer do you have under your belt 24 i can't imagine the various explanations and excuses and justifications and things like that that you you have heard that's one of the things i think that police officers enjoy the job because it's never punch a clock you're in the same spot for eight hours and which there's nothing wrong with that but each day at 10 o'clock you might be somewhere else so it's just like that when you pull over somebody why you could get confrontational, you could get somebody who's sobbing, you could get all walks of life and all stories. So yes. So, two thousand one, your bottom mount. <laughs> like I circle back there. Yeah, and I'm getting crushed. <laughs> You're getting crushed. Let's let's focus on that moment. Okay. Was My it, ego's getting crushed, and physically, I'm getting crushed. Okay. Where'd you go from there? After tapping. No, no, did you? No, I didn't. But you, you, you just realized, oh, I can't really get out. And and I may have physically tapped. I I don't remember that. I remember just hitting that wall. Like the expectations that I have or had, I didn't meet them at all. Mm -hmm. So I hit a really a reality check. So after that, I I joined 
Um, and also what reiterated that is there was a gentleman, a guy named Larry Settles. He's a lieutenant still on the Louisville Metro Police Department. And Larry was a blue belt. And at that time when I started, there was a, there was no brown belts. There was no black belts. Um, there was very few purple belts. And Larry was a blue belt. Mm-hmm. And we, he was in my recruit academy class. So we got to roll around and play. And did you, did you, is he the one who got you to go to try that class out in 2001? Sorry to zone in on that. No, yes. He, uh, that's great. He was a blue belt under Allen and he went there and, and they actually had some, there was a bar in Indiana. I don't know the name, but was kind of doing, I'm sure they weren't licensed, but tough man contest where they allowed MMA. You go in there and it was smoke infested. People were smoking and real as worse of an environment as you could predict. But, uh, yeah, and it was kind of a no-holds-bar type. And Larry, who's a super nice, super humble guy, very quiet, went in there and jumped in there and, and competed. Uh, so bringing it back to me, playing around and, and rolling and just horse playing more like, I was like, wow, there's something to this. And that's what got me to go out there, and then I met Brett and then the and class. You, you had the background of the peaked interest at the sanctioned event. Your dad, had, you know. The household you grew up in, that was not foreign to you. Correct. Combat sports. You're Correct. Like, I'll check this out. Okay, they got to, oh, this is like boxing, but even less rules, and let's check this out. I always liked grappling. I took, well, back up. I took Wing Chun under a guy named Henry Cook. A lot of people that are from Louisville that know that name, and uh, um, Brent Eskridge again. Brent and I t- took Wing Chun. Well, part of his classes were, I don't know anything about Wing Chun. I, again, was younger, but we would do some grappling on the ground and way back then and wing chung that's what you said is the new was okay yeah and that the wing chung part i was like man this is cool we're grappling on some pads and you know and i don't know what i'm doing but i like this but you also did it with japanese jiu-jitsu i did with a guy named todd swinehart todd Todd swinehart is a third degree black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu also under luis pal harris same one that josh johnson out of e-town is is under so um, he has a legitimate school, and Todd's really good. Where's that school at? It is over off Fifth Street, right by uh, the Waterson Expressway. He's got a website. It's called or school. It's called Yoshin Dojo because they do authentic Japanese uh, traditional martial arts as well as Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Wow! Yeah, Todd's really. There's a lot of people that people don't know that train that just kind of stay under the radar that are really good. And then we have big names. It's funny. Louisville's a is a melting pot and has a lot of, obviously you have Nathan Haddad. Chewy's got a huge name and Chewy's really good. Nathan's really good. Brent Weedman. You've got some names and people that have been on the international scene. Nathan getting down and going down and training with John Donahire and Gordon and the highest level of jujitsu and competing at the highest level and Chewy. So there you've got people like that that people know about. You can go anywhere almost in the world and if it's a jujitsu school, they've heard of Chewy. Chujitsu. It's just kind of funny. That is wild. Yeah. And uh, uh, Chewy, uh, Chewy and I, well, not always, but we were relatively the same size. And we were training partners when I was at Derby City. When he came to Derby City, he came from uh, Highlander, Mike Yanez. And um, the Cannon brothers, they owned, uh, actually, Colin Cannon owned uh, Derby City. He had Kyle and Colin. And at that time, they were brown belts. There were still no black belts in Louisville. Or in Kentucky. I think Michael Donald was the first black belt from Lexington. That's my understanding. Yes. And I think the second was either Mango or Josh Johnson. I think I think Allen was the the 
the second, and then uh, Josh. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, sounds right. And for any of you historians out there, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's how it goes. And then you had people kind of falling in right there, Scott Smith, the Cannon Brothers, the you know, I don't know the exact order, but Yanez, because he had got his black belt before he left and went back to Tampa. And then it just started trickling down. We started getting a lot of people. Joe, talking about quiet and under the radar, Maid. Maid has a really good jiu-jitsu. They're affiliated with Seneca. Uh, Joe Manning and Bob Dietz, they were all out at Allen's, and uh, they were purple belts when Allen and Scott were purple belts. And really, really good jiu-jitsu guys that just, Super humble, super quiet. Stay under the radar and uh, and run. Have a good program out there with Made Fitness. Okay, tell us about your gym. Tell about what your gym. My gym. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, it's Pinnacle Jiu Jitsu in Mount Washington. Um, we opened up in Spencer County, and uh, we've been a year this month. And we started uh, last year in Spencer County, and uh, it was growing, but we were subleasing inside Anytime Fitness right there across from the high school and good vibes, good energy. We were really blessed to be in there. And um, But it just got so frustrating starting out. I learned a lot. For anybody that's thinking about opening a school, I can tell you to uh, don't have classes every single day. Start out slow. People like full mats. They like that energy, that vibe. They don't have to learn all jujitsu in one moment. So give them good energy. Well, how do we do that? We pack the mats. So have two days a week. And then as the mats get so full where you're running out of room, then add a third day. Okay. In that way. So that is an interesting. I learned that that could be the best advice because people want that. And you start out small. You you can't start out sprinting. So we needed to get a bigger place. And court therapy was there. They wanted the spot that we were in. They wanted to expand. So we decided uh, Paul Ng, who owns Anytime Fitness, they're super good guy. And really works with people. And, man, fantastic. Anybody in Taylorsville, strongly recommend going into Anytime Fitness if you're looking at a fitness place there. So there was no buildings. We looked and looked and talked about renovating, even subleasing again in a bigger spot. And I decided I was going to look at Mount Washington. And uh, the gentleman that was helping me look for places, I had just drove around and found a place called him. And he goes, well, there's this building you might be interested in. And everybody sees from our website and whatnot, I see the cool floor and all that. That was the Anytime Fitness in Mount Washington. They moved. And you were currently in a... Anytime, anytime Fitness, fitness. Okay. yeah. Okay. Yep. Now you're tracking. So we go in there and we go to see it and it's got the floors and our colors are already blue, white, and black. Wow. Gray. Okay. So the floor matched and no, we didn't. It looks cool, but we had nothing to do with that floor. Um, I wish I could take credit, but I'm not paying forty grand for a floor. Someone told me, uh, uh, I think it was um, Justin Willen. Okay, they told me that, that that you got nice mats. Yeah, we well, what we did is um, we went with Fuji, the two inch mat, and then I recommend a lot of people on concrete. Yes, we want to be tough and we want to get tough and learn to fall and whatnot. But before people get there, they got to learn to crawl before they can walk and run. So we took those puzzle mats, the three-quarter inch puzzle mats, and we put that as a subfloor. And then we put the two-inch thick oh, Fuji. Okay. So that's what um, a lot of schools had the same Fuji mats that we have. We were between six of these, half a dozen, between zebra mats and Fuji. And uh, another tip is you can really, really, I don't mean this deviantly, but just good business, don't just settle for, oh, so-and-so said zebra, so-and-so said Fuji. 
Email Fuji. Tell them this is what you want. They give you a price. Email Zebra. Work with somebody and say, hey, I really like your mats. I like your quality because they are good. You're not lying. You're not making something up. But I'm looking at Fuji. What can you do? After back and forth, you can really start to get these mats, not just by quantity that we buy to get a cheaper price. They'll go back and forth and you're having a price war. And it can really, we did really, really well by doing that. Somebody taught us that and we did that. But you said you were clarifying um, that you did not purchase the real nice floor. That's not the mats. No, we did the mats. I'm sorry. The the the, epoxy floor. The floor. So there's a nice floor in your gym. Yes. The look at 40,000, just a really. That was a guess. Almost out of, out of place looking but very nice floor yes they put the colored swirl blue different color blue floors in there and uh, that had nothing and it matches our so if you go on www.pinnaclejujitsu.com and see the floors in there that's what we're talking about i see okay the mats yes we went with fuji just like i believe scott has in shelby county Okay. Those Fuji mats and uh it was between them and zebra okay and that's why carl latigas Yep. I don't know. You remember Carl? And I Kane? certainly do. Yep. yep. Yeah. Kane was a, a little monster. I'm sure he still is. Yes. A beast. <laughs> yes. I'm I, sure he still is. I think he's wrestling somewhere and doing jujitsu still competing. And so, yes, I'm sure he, wherever Kane Latigast is, I'm sure that guy's a badass. I, yes. Well, they say be nice to the kids because they grow up. <laughs> that is adults. so true. There's a guy, Xander, I rolled with today. I don't even know how. I don't even want to say how old he is. But I had my hands full with him today, rolling with him. He might be 14. Wow. I don't know. He's a pretty big 14-year-old, but, I mean, it's crazy how some kids can just take to it. Well, you, you think about it. When I first started, the only resources outside, and it was so taboo to go to another gym, okay. another instructor. That was, man, you get kicked out. That was disrespecting your instructor. It's not like that today. And it's I, not as much like that, it doesn't seem. And it shouldn't. If I'm a business owner and instructor. I have a student who wants to, we have people that go over to AJ's and then, you know, there's people that come over here. I love AJ. I yeah. love Louisville combat. Those guys, why would you care mm-hmm. if it's only, it has to be about the dollar. Your student, you want the best for your student, right? Sure. You're an instructor. Sure. So you're investing in them, right? You want them to be the very best version of themselves. It's not about you. It's about them. Sure. That's one thing we do at Pinnacle is anybody that signs up, I make, I don't make them. I encourage them to give me their short-term goal and their long-term. Then I sit down with them and we figure out a roadmap. How are we going to get there? So someone could say day one, Chad, I'm a hobbyist at best. I'll probably avoid wrestling. My knees are shot. I'm looking to sit down, maybe wrestle a little bit, but I don't even need real hard free training necessarily. What can you do for me? Yes. And then we look at it. Okay. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Okay, so we say, well, your goal is really just to dab at jujitsu, get some technique you're looking for. I would say you're looking at some technique, something that can help you out on the street, build that camaraderie and friendship, and you just don't want to run on a treadmill. I got you. And then, okay, what's your long-term goal? Um, Well, generally that person is, I'm just the hobbyist, so man, I, I just like to be here five years. That means I'm healthy. That means I'm I'm liking what I'm doing, so then it's basically you fall under our three rules. Number one, we can't get hurt. Okay. I'm going to be 50 this year, man. My pinkies are all jacked up. I don't compete anymore. You know, I've only done a few competitions and my knees are jacked up. I want longevity. So we don't, you can get hurt, but no injuries. You're going to get hurt in jujitsu. It's just, it's a combat sport, but we got to keep from getting injuries. So that's one. Two, it's got to be fun. 
even as adults. You know, we get in there and everybody lines up and we're all uniformity and it's it's like, man, it's almost stale after a while. So you're ranking it avoiding injury should be really the top priority. Number one. Number two is you gotta have fun. Absolutely. Okay. I, I don't like care. It. I like it. I'm on board. And then number three is good quality, excellent jujitsu. Okay. So if you can do those things. It's, it's interesting that you, I know it sounds counterintuitive to be putting that below those t- first two, but the, the injury one, you can't, I mean, you'd be foolish not to, not to address that. That has to be top priority. So I'm with you. I like the list. And then three, number twos have fun. And then you got to have the tech. That makes sense. I like the list. I like the rankings, the hierarchy that works. I'm going to ask you a question. If you're going to a jujitsu class, Adam Miller does a great job at this. He teaches a fun class. You get a good workout. He's a great instructor. A lot of his classes are fun, aren't they? Oh, yeah. So if it's fun, how much ego in a negative way is involved? Hmm, not as much. Yeah. Not as much, right? True. Oh, very true. Very, very true. So if it's ego's out the door or the negative part, we're having a healthy, I'll use your word, a healthy ego. Sure. We're going to have fun. You have the opportunity for getting some progression week over week. Maybe you're like, oh, I did that throw because Adam's a judo black belt. Too. Yeah, he's tough. So you're like, okay, I did that entry for this judo throw a little better. I'm making progress. So you're feeding in a positive way, the ego in a positive way. Not putting yourself out there where you're going nuts, you know, too much to where you're going to get beat up or injured, but you're progressing. And the biggest thing I see so many instructors, me, I have ADHD. Sure, one, I've never been diagnosed, but as you know, you've been to some of my classes, and I'll get get on a soapbox and wow. talk him. So as instructors, we have to to know, and I think you do a good job at this, and I've gotten better at it. It's not about me. Hmm. They don't care what you know. Okay. They care that you care that they know. Okay, okay. And then, well, well what, do, what does that really mean? Okay, they don't care how good you are. Adam Miller, let's talk about him. Adam at Unkept Secrets. We talked about Joe Manning and Bob Dietz. A lot of people are like, I've said, hey, man, do you know who Adam Miller is? No. Whew. It's because he was in the Illinois for yes. the entire, we just, he just was injected into the scene. Although he did, he did know some of the people here for years, I think. Yeah. Well, he's been around since what, in the 90s? Yeah, he's been yeah, doing mid late for 90s. 30 something years, I think. Yes. And he's such a cool, this is the thing with, we're like getting into that. We're bringing it back full circle about how you weren't allowed to go to another school. Sure. There was Panther Videos. Panther was a company that made videos. And um, Carlson Gracie Jr. came up with, out with some videos. And uh, Marcelo, I forgot his last name, but there was three of them. Conan was, was his nickname. And uh, they made these videos. Well, that was about all the resources you could get. And now there's so many resources. There's so many things out there. So many different people. They made people. like technique videos, you mean? Yes. Okay. And they're so really, was, really good. It was, it was viewed as being like, oh, you got the, the source. This is the material that everyone's looking at. Yeah, but you're not allowed to say it because that's not our school. Oh, I you see. see what I mean? So everyone was kind of learning from it, then teaching it, not saying it was, there was, you know. Yeah, I would say that, or they were so old school, even as purple belts, that Here's the thing with Alan. Alan's a great teacher. He's good teacher, good facilitator. He manages the room. He does a good job. Well, Pedro, we would bring Pedro in twice a year. And Alan, Scott, it was Alan's school, but they couldn't give you rank. They couldn't test you. Only Pedro could. Mm. So all my ranks say Pedro Sour Blue Belt, Pedro Sour Purple Belt, Pedro Sour Brown Belt, Pedro Sour Black Belt. 
Well, how much exposure are we getting? Master Sauer is incredible. Incredible person, credible jujitsu, incredible. But how much exposure are you getting twice a year, Saturday and Sunday? Mm, okay. And nothing against, we'll use me as a, when I first started teaching as a purple belt. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I'm a much better teacher now as a second-degree black belt as I was a purple belt. Sure. I mean, it's no question. So you take those schools that were opening up as purple belts, that's all you knew. So now today, Alan Maganello is a much better teacher now as a fourth-degree black belt than he was as a two-stripe purple belt. Okay. So talking about these kids bringing it back in there, the kids that are getting black belt instruction or quality instructions. Okay. And they're learning at such a younger age. I see. It's yeah. a different animal. It's, yes. Things have changed. It's it's growing. 100%, like the young man that you were talking about. Yeah, Xander. And Xander. Xander getting, you know, Alan or Adam Miller as a teacher at oh, Purple yeah. Belt. Now he's getting Adam Miller as a fourth-degree black belt. Sure. And okay. so those same mistakes that we all made and didn't know we were making, they're not making it. And you're keeping it fun versus what's Pedro say? Pedro came over from Brazil, came over with, not with Hickson, but I think shortly after, we wanted to do his own thing, and out of respect to his teacher and friend, he went up north. You know, I think it was Utah. And long story short, he wanted to have killers. He wanted to make his name because Hickson already had the name. And he has, I think they're called the Dirty Dozen. Incredible jiu-jitsu people. Incredible. Well, couldn't keep the lights on. So it goes back to, yeah, we're having tough classes and ah, okay, and everybody's liking it, but man, some of them can't walk now. You know, you had Olympic, what I think Mark Schultz won the gold medal wrestling. You had him in jujitsu. So phenomenal grappler. You know, grappling's grappling. You know, there's different principles, thoughts and things, but grappling is still grappling. Catch wrestling, whatever you want to do. Sambo, jujitsu, collegiate wrestling, folk style wrestling. Those, it's still grappling. So you take some of those people and you take a wrestler like that who's world champion in training and you got Pedro Sauer's mindset and you got these guys, Jake Johnston, all kinds of, you know, just unbelievable. Johnny Carquest, I think, and uh, there's several. They called him the Dirty Dozen. Those guys are incredible. Well, guess what? Couldn't keep the lights on. Okay. That's where you're bringing it back to. Yeah. So it's yeah. A, it's it's the – and ultimately, it's being kind of like um, the economy or – <laughs> managing your finances is applies to life political world a lot and things like that but ultimately if you can't keep the lights on how many people are you going to positively impact with the jujitsu yes and i agree and i think too as jujitsu instructors we have to not get so caught up in that to where it's it's about just it's it's a balance it's a dance it can't just be about how much money am i making okay keeping the lights on yes we have to do those things we have to keep the lights on we have to have a roof over the head it's just like house right just like life we have to do those things but a home isn't family jujitsu not everybody wants to compete they just come there for the family right the sure. atmosphere you you pay for the atmosphere so if that's true then the owner has to be i have to be it's about the atmosphere so organically let it happen okay and the lights will stay on. Okay. You know, we've got a beautiful facility, three bathrooms, two showers, two locker rooms. Because it was an anytime fitness. Yes. So you have two of your own showers. Yes, two showers. We have a, one in the men's, one in the women's. Wow. We have, wow. Okay. And here's a freebie that I think, you know, I went to BJJ Fanatics in last February. 
that'd be a year from next month. And, uh, they had a business owner conference and I went up there to Boston and, uh, Bernardo was leading it. And then, uh, I forgot Nick's last name. It's Castagilla or something. Uh, I'm bastardizing the name, but learned some, I felt like a white belt in business and it was so cool. One of the things they gave though, that all you owners should do, and I never thought about it is in your women's restroom or even at multi, multi-sex restroom, have a baby changing station. Mm. Moms come in there with little Johnny and they want to watch and, and they, they got to manage the baby. I can see that being valuable. Yeah. And now the baby's sick using the bathroom, man, you go in there. It's all about atmosphere and making somebody feel comfortable. Wow. Same thing on the mats, right? We want them to feel comfortable. So you do those and that baby changing station has already been used several times at our place for the brother or sister. Could you remind us what is the exact address of uh, the location of Pinnacle? And um, could you give us a, a rundown of like the current class availability? If sure. someone's interested in learning more, how can they go about doing that? No, thank you. I appreciate that opportunity to, to share about Pinnacle. Um, that was that was cool. Pinnacle is in Mount Washington. It's right there next to Bullities High School at uh, 138 East Brook Court, Suite 105. That's basically almost literally at Bardstown Road and 44. Okay. We're in the shopping center right there. Um, our class is similar to, to a lot of other schools. We are Monday through Saturday noon for adults. And then... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Monday through Saturday noon for adults. Uh-huh. And then we do... Hey, wait, that's pretty good right off the bat. Monday, so noon every day of the week. Every day of the week except Sunday. Wow. Okay. Okay. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, that's I wasn't okay, expecting but... that. You were saying to start small with the classes, and that doesn't say okay. Can, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's no. that's pretty good availability. Yeah, man. No, and I've learned a lot. We're there now, though. We have like we have anywhere from the kids' classes. We have about eighteen to twenty-six. Okay. So, and that's almost every night. Wow. So I interrupted you. Oh, it's okay. Monday classes. Uh, I'm sorry. Noon classes Monday through Saturday. Yes, and then the adults or Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. And then the kids' classes, now they're age groups. They're not all thrown in there, but Monday and Wednesday we have the young ones and then uh, Little Lions and me. Uh, And then uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays are at 6 o'clock, the same time. Uh, Kids' classes are the juniors. And then Saturday, the 1030 classes, the little ones, and then the juniors are at 11.05. And it's basically we do – just like everybody else, I believe we do a lot of agility games, our warmups or something to keep it fun, but we don't play games that aren't relevant to jujitsu. Okay. I don't, I don't like that. And, uh, the work on hand and eye coordination, mobility, agility, and then we get into, you know, technique. And, uh, then we'll do a standing, standing technique, ground technique, and then we pressure test it. How would you describe your school? Is it a competition school? Is it a self-defense school? What, 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 how would you, I know you've got to have an answer ready for that, but <laughs> what, you know, that's almost like a canned question for a gym owner. What kind of school do you have? Um, we have, it's funny. And again, I believe, man, honestly, I've learned so much from what not to do. And, and I've loved it. I learned enough going in all by myself and uh, this journey. It was like, okay, what, where am I going to go? And some of it's mistakes. But if you let it happen organically, don't just say we're a competition school. We've had people come from other schools that have pros and cons to both and want that. I think you let it happen naturally. Like we have a kid's competition class. So that's on Fridays. 
we let all the parents know, hey, this is not going to be the mobility and agility games and whatnot. It's going to be all business. Not every kid has to come to this class. So you're feeding those parents that want them to see their competitive edge and get things out. But we're not pushing competition. We have six adults that are going to uh, Chewy's tournament that are going to compete. Um, we have two that are going in two weeks down to Texas to compete. And it's funny, and we think about, oh, man, you must be all about competition. No, they like to travel. They wanted to find a good tournament, a big tournament, and do a road trip. Kind of like seminars. I like going to seminar and get a group of people, man, out of town and just just go have fun. So if if the people want to compete, they can. They certainly can. Your jiu-jitsu that is, is taught at Pinnacle is consistent with winning in competition. It's consistent with getting better and making yourself better. And in doing that, some people need competition. Some people don't want to compete at all, but they like hard rows. They want it. Let's get after it, man. Let's test myself. I have police officers that train that are SWAT guys, and, man, they're in physical specimens. And, like, golly, that guy looks like he could chew, chew steel for bubble gum. So they want that uh, – aggressive role but you also have to you get the person that doesn't and now they're going with them and they're going with with chad over here who likes to go hard but if you set the environment and the atmosphere they know sure i'm not going to go crazy here it's about what everybody the family the tribe what we're doing so just like when you play with your kids grappling some of them there's no they can't threaten you they can't do anything so you're not going to go hard and it's not about ego because we left it at the door, so you're just moving, flowing, getting a little sweat in, creating some problems, and letting the problem work itself out. I love it. So that's also about Pinnacle, if I can say. we um, There's a big move for, you know, a lot of people have came out there, and everybody loves Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan's probably the biggest and best thing that's ever happened to jiu-jitsu. And so what's that, though? He's no gi. So Pinnacle, we do, we might add another gi night, but uh, right now we're, Kids are all gi, and there's a reason behind that. But uh, kids' classes are all in the gi, but the adults are gi Tuesdays and Saturdays. Every other class is no gi. So if you come Tuesday noon or evening, it's gi. Saturday noon is gi. I love it. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show today, Chad. If someone's listening, um, actually, you should tell me. You said earlier, I was impressed with the website, PinnacleJujitsu.com. Yes, sir. That was available. That's a good one. Yep. Uh, what other social medias or, you know, are you doing much marketing or, are you know, how do you grow a gym? That's kind of an interesting thing. It's word of mouth, obviously. How did you get, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's in Mount Washington. There's probably not another jujitsu gym close by, is there? No, there's one. Uh, Apex is in Shepherdsville, James London. Okay, that's right. That's not that far. No, and uh, I think it's like 20 minutes. 44 is such hectic with traffic. It, it makes us a lot further away than... It really is. And he's got a really good school over there and got really good people. And James is, I've only met him a couple of times, but super cool guy. I got nothing but good things and good thoughts. You know, he's a great guy and got a great program over there. Um, about school, about growing and marketing, I think that you have to be able to, to realize to spend money. And I think you need to ask people. Stop being afraid. Well, I'm a black belt on the mats. I should be a black belt in business. No, ask people. And those, are, yeah, and if they don't want to help you, that's okay. You'll learn real quick who who's on your side and who's not, and that and that's okay too. So it's your responsibility as a gym owner. He doesn't want to help you. She doesn't want to help you. No big deal. Go get help from somebody. 
it might cost you money. They, they're, you're wanting their experience. You pay for it, just like we want a black belt instructor. Mm. You want to pay for that. So offer that. If you can't afford it, then there's resources out there. BJJ Fanatics has owner's manuals. There's different things. Reach out to people and say, hey, how can, you, how can I help you? You want a kid's program. You can't pay for consulting. Say, let me just pay for the kid's program. So you do that. And then marketing is you just find a really good reputable agency that, that can help you. We're on Instagram, Pinnacles on Instagram, and we have a Facebook page. We would love for people to follow us, and you can reach out to me personally, and I love suggestions. Tell me how I can be better. I can be better as a coach, instructor, manager, friend, person. That's how we all should be. What your What are your thoughts on having seminars at your gym? You plan on having seminars often? I had uh, one out there, and uh, Matt Secor. Matt was on the Saw Ultimate that. Fighter, and okay. uh, he's we do a lot of more self defense um, with police officers. Um, that's a separate class, separate entity. But um, Matt's phenomenal at that, and really good jujitsu guy. He competed at the Abu Dhabi trials, ADCC trials in New Jersey, and uh, I think he got to the semifinals. But uh, super tough. I think seminars are important, and I want them to – they bring a different feel. So I'd like to have more seminars at Pinnacle. It okay. just depends on the right person and the right fit. It doesn't have to be consistent with the self-defense model. Someone who pulls guard, and that's their game. They're a jiu-jitsu specialist, and they're not a self-defense guy. You may still be open to having someone in like that. You're a leg guy, actually. Yeah, I like leg locks. And that doesn't sound consistent necessarily with the self-defense type thing, does it? Well, when we brought Matt in, we, brought, we had him do no-gi jiu-jitsu. He just competed, and he brought his purple belt, who lost to Nikki Ryan at the ADCC trials. Okay. And then Terry, super talented, super good guy. And um, at that level, I think most of it's not technique. I think it's mental. Okay. And winning at that level. A lot of people, you're not going to have, an, especially when you get later into the rounds. Terry, purple belt, and he submitted two black belts at the trials. Uh, the belt covers two inches of your, your butt. So I think it gets into mental. And I don't I know we've had this discussion. I don't think he minds me saying it, but – it, I'm going against Nikki Ryan, walking out to the mats. All the phones are out. They're recording. They're there to see Nikki. So I think that as we grow, I think it would be, I'm not saying he would beat Nikki Ryan at all, but I think it would be a much different match. Okay. And that's all mental, not jujitsu. So, yeah, going back to seminars, I want Pinnacle, if you look at our website, and I know it's getting a little late, the pin is a different color. That's on purpose. That wasn't a typo, and we ran with it or a design error. It's for a reason. Um, obviously I'm under Pedro and, um, uh, I like also the John Donahar philosophy. I like pins. I like submissions to be pins. I like to control, not just for self-defense, but I don't like mounting. Everybody talks about old school footlocks, not to get on a soapbox, but don't do footlocks because you give up position. Uh, that's because we don't understand the footlock and the, the scramble and the transition, but it was always taught don't cause you give up position. If you're mounted, and somebody's pushing on your chest, the very first armbar we learned, put your hands on their chest, spin around, make your legs light, spin around. Did you not just give up position? Sure you did. So you have to take the context. So our armbars, we don't spin around to the back at Pinnacle. I don't believe in that. So I like everything, submission to be able to control. You mean if you have mount, someone does a bench press off you? We're taking their arm home. You're taking the arm home. Okay. But, but we're it, not falling back to our back. Okay. You're maybe 
staying in more of an upward position. You're not falling back. You're, you're finishing it right there without going to your back. You need to come out the pinnacle. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, should, should kids be able to use leg attacks? Yes. Submissions. At what age? Wrist locks? You tell me. What are they allowed to do? What are they not allowed to do? I think not wrist locks because wrist locks can come on so fast. Foot lock, reaping. Do you know how many people, especially in foot locks or gyms that allow lower body attacks, they're, like, they're not getting their knee blown out with reaps. Let's stop that silliness. It can happen, but it's not that prevalent. So wrist locks can happen, and when we start doing them, they can get to that point where they can cause injury more than hurt faster. Foot locks, I think younger kids should immediately start learning straight ankle locks. And straight ankle locks and hamstring exposure for escaping. They need to learn, start learning concepts versus technique. Um, you learn how to with the straight ankle lock and then start understanding when we're in trouble, knee line, you know, understanding the knee line, understanding it's not pulling, it's, you know, push-pull, and it's understanding how to get out of it. And that's where we talked about hamstring exposure. So concept and principles for kids so they have fun. And then as they get a little bit older in the juniors class, then we can start looking at knee bars. We can start looking at heel hooks. Depending on the person is a competition class. I think as a group on a whole, the whole class, I think you can look at everything as what what are we doing? Heel hook. What are we doing? Okay, it's a rotational lock. So that's a little more dangerous than a linear lock. Sure. So anything that has rotation, whether it's arms, foot, or anything, you know, the, the knee is the elbow, the ankle's the wrist. They're all they're all the same principles. So breaking mechanics are the same, but what's more dangerous? A rotational. So you need to be feel the temperament of your class before you start bringing it in. So I think straight ankle, knee bar, and then always starting the concept of escaping, just making yourself safe. A 20-year-old starts class um, at, at Pinnacle, first class, is he allowed to free train that day? Um, it depends. Okay, maybe. We had that happen today. We had a guy who hadn't trained in 10 years. He came in Jordan, super nice guy, blue belt from North Carolina. Um, hadn't trained in 10 years. And, of course, I'm going to let the guy roll. He's a blue belt. Okay, yeah, so it depends entirely. Well, now, but we're getting in it. He didn't want to roll. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to drill because he's like, man, I'm old, I'm rusty, I'm not here to prove any point. And he didn't know us. You walk in and we got a nice facility now. Sure. So you get a brand new Jordan who's never done anything, but he played football, he played basketball, he played baseball. Sometimes you're going to lose somebody because the only thing that's going to keep them is, oh, I can do this. Well, then when you roll with somebody like Kyle, Kyle's 160 pounds, yeah. looks <laughs> like a toothpick, and he rolls them up this 240 guy who's muscle steroids and he rolls him up like a pretzel and that guy can't do nothing. That guy got to touch the stove. Now he's a believer. So, okay. So you're bringing up some different angles to that yes, decision I don't, because unless they truly feel the skinny Kyle, 100%. Just do whatever he wants with the new guy. Unless they feel that, they may not see the legitimacy. I think if you, you, you can't put jujitsu in a box, one size doesn't fit all. Everybody doesn't wear the same gi. Everybody doesn't like gi. So I'm like, no gi. You get somebody who's a little scared of jujitsu. We've had this with the kids. They didn't want to row. We let them decide if they wanted to just drill. Well, this little young lady got in there and then she started rolling and she loves it. Wow. She's addicted. Great. Yeah. Love our third that. class was tonight and she's going to be incredible. In one year, we've got great kids. But in one year, I've never seen anybody like this. And I, I can't wait. She may never want to compete. That's okay. Sure. It depends on what we said at the beginning. What's her goals, not mine? I love it. Well, Chad Cunningham, I thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, I know we've mentioned it a few times, Pinnacle Jiu-Jitsu. 
in Mount Washington. Um, do you have any closing words uh, that you'd like to say, I guess, related to Pinnacle Jiu-Jitsu? Anything you'd like to say before we wrap up the episode to promote Pinnacle or anything else? Well, first, let me say thank you for having having me and, and letting me share Pinnacle again. And, and I think what you're doing is great for Jiu-Jitsu, for, for the community and everything. Thank and you. Yeah, you're welcome. You deserve it. And with Pinnacle, we do a two-week free trial. Everybody has their own investment, but I like that. That way, it's not just to see if you're a good fit. It's also to see or see if we're a good fit, but to see if you're a good fit. Every school's not for everybody. So we like that. And to come in and, man, we don't care. Care anything about what your past is. We come in here, have fun, have a good attitude. Injury, no injuries, have fun, jujitsu. And that's, you bring in the great attitude, man, it'll all work itself out. I love it. Well, Chad Cunningham, thank you very much for coming on. I also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. Of course, we will have another episode of The Kelly Patrick Show out soon. Thank you. Thank you.